All your favorite CBC podcasts are now available on YouTube. The best in award-winning true crime investigations, hilarious comedies, vibrant pop culture conversations, and even more audio series are all available on CBC Podcast's YouTube channel. You'll also find exclusive video first episodes, YouTube shorts, and behind-the-scenes content from our hosts and producers that you can't find anywhere else. So if YouTube is your go-to source for podcasts, just search CBC Podcasts and hit subscribe, and you'll never miss the latest update. This is a CBC Podcast. Phones on silent. Oh, phones on silent. Put mine on. Do not destroy. I get so many calls all the time. I know, Mark. Three comedians, a dozen experts, one goat-shaped robot. Countless hours of writing, rewriting, and re-rewriting. Now... Finally, after weeks of collaboration, Maddie, Mark, and I have written and released the pilot of the mostly serious science fiction TV show, Progeny. In the last episode, you heard that script as an audio drama, read by actors with a bit of sound design. Okay, a a lot of sound design. And now that our baby is out there in the world, it's time for our little writer's team to do what we do best. Make fun of our own work and poke holes in each other's ideas. I'd have more clothing references. Okay. Like, what is Cruiser 7? Are they all wearing their own stuff? Are they all wearing a little matching uniform? They're all wearing jeans. Yeah. <laughs> the three of us sat down with our producer, Dave, to go over what we thought of the pilot. Dave is at the controls, playing clips for us as we discuss what we thought was good, what was not so good, and what was absolutely ridiculous. And we also talked about what's next for the pilot script of Progeny. If you're... Uh, a producer with means. Yeah. Why don't you dro- drop into the DMs yeah. and we'll see if we can figure DM something us out. If you want to produce, we might be too busy though mm-hmm. talking to talk to <laughs> you. Entirely possible. It's the final episode of Let's Make a Sci Fi, where we finally find out if we, in fact, made a sci fi. Before we get into our debrief, here's what you missed on episode one of Progeny. Our journey begins on a mysterious ship floating through outer space. After traveling for hundreds of years from a decimated Earth, the ship has nearly reached its destination planet, Proxima B. This is Progeny. Our lifeboat, our world, our everything. At the beginning of Act One, we meet two main characters, Washington, a high-ranking young woman, and Eric, a medical doctor. The two are in the throes of an illegal, unsanctioned romance. If they're caught, they'll be punished with a medically-induced coma called sleep. Is this a face worth being put under for? (sighs) Hurry! Get out of here! We depart from Washington and Eric and make our way through the ship. We see our protagonist, Kirby, a middle-aged outcast with a knack for making inventions. We follow her as she goes about her day. Waking up in her bunk room, attending a morning ritual, and heading to work at the bean processing plant, where she is supervised by Dermot. Here, her creative talents are wasted. Dermot, did you ever stop to think that there are jobs and tasks we can free ourselves of? If you spent more time doing your job, instead of thinking of the ways to avoid it, you'd get twice as much done. But when Washington sees Kirby's ingenious and practical fix for a broken door, she assigns Kirby to a new secret job. Push your cart for today, but... I'll find you tomorrow. Keeping order is the captain and ship mother, Lee. On the surface, she comes off as a caring matron. But behind closed doors, she and her cronies, husband Pug and son Bo, spy on the ship's residence, watching for any rule-breaking. 
As the three catch wind of the unsanctioned romance between Washington and Dr. Eric, Lee lays out a plan to punish the two philanderers. Threaten both of them with sleep until you get a full confession, and then sleep only one of them. In Act Two, Washington shows Kirby her new station, a dormant communications hub that she wants Kirby to get up and running. What is this? This is comms, and it's been dormant for a few hundred years. But now, with Proxima on the horizon, we need it up and running. Washington leaves, and Kirby gets to work on booting up the dormant equipment. Once she gets a communicator working, Kirby receives a mysterious message from outside of Progeny. Progeny, Progeny, Progeny. This is Cruiser 7. Please respond. Over. The message comes from Cruiser 7. Aboard this new ship is Captain Donovan, second-in-command Reitman, anthropological scientist Triang, and robot aide Cream. They break the news to Kirby that, since Progeny left Proxima, Earth has flourished, and Cruiser 7's directive is to bring the residents of Progeny back home. While Progeny has been in transit to Proxima, humanity has thrived. As Kirby learns this shocking news, Bo confronts Washington over her unsanctioned relationship with Dr. Eric. Her punishment of sleep is administered by Dr. Eric, as Lee directs the procedure from the sidelines. By order of the Council of the Upper Decks, Washington shall be put under for a period of no more than three months. So say I, Lee. Eric, please. Which arm do you prefer for the injection? Meanwhile, Kirby informs the crew of Cruiser 7 that as they approach Proxima, Progeny is about to set off a nuclear warhead to slow their trajectory. Cruiser 7's crew is horrified. The nuclear explosion will kill everyone aboard the smaller ship. Kirby, you must get word to Lee to delay the ceremony, or we will perish. Act 3 is a race against time. Kirby needs to inform anyone in charge about Cruiser 7's mission, but her calls fall on those who don't believe her. Only Washington would have been of any help, but Kirby learns Washington has been slept. I'm telling the truth. I spoke to them. Kirby, you're going to get put under for agitation. The clock is ticking. Either Cruiser 7 needs to board Progeny quicker, or Kirby needs to delay the warhead ceremony. Have you delivered our message? Yes, but no. No one will believe me. And in the nick of time, the crew of Cruiser 7 climbs aboard the larger ship, just before their spacecraft is ripped apart and jettisoned out into space. Contact with Cruiser 7 has been severed. This can't be happening. Oh, my God. The episode ends with the Progenian passengers giving Donovan, Reitman, Triang, and Cream an inhospitable welcome. By Lee's command, the crew is dragged away to a holding cell. Find an empty storage room and throw them in it. But not before Cream escapes while Kirby watches from the crowd. And that is everything you missed on episode one of Progeny. Okay, so you just heard the audio drama. I want to know, mm-hmm. what are your initial thoughts? My overall impression, so I, I kept kind of pushing like, well, we want to make it bare bones, just the actors, not a lot of sound effects. We don't make it too much of a radio play, but there was a lot of sound effects and it was more of a radio play. And I think it really helped because we, we have no visuals at all and we really need to elevate it a little bit. And I think the sound does. Exterior, a deep black void. We are suspended in complete darkness without any point of reference. Only a distant hum can be heard. How much do we owe to our ancestors? There's just so much going on for me to listen to that. Like, I hear all our work. Mm-hmm. I can hear all our decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, self-conscious of parts. I'm excited about parts. But 
I will also say that just from an initial looks perspective, I listened to that opening and it's so exciting and it's so sci-fi and it's like, whoa, we did it. Like we put people in space. Like this is our thing. And then breathe the third line is like, we open on two bodies completely nude. And I started laughing so hard. And it's so funny because our tendencies the whole time are like, if something is funny, that's fine because we're reading it to each other. It doesn't sound weird that it's funny when we say it. But when someone who's a serious actor says something that we just accidentally left in that's a little bit funnier turn of phrase. Sure. It's psychotic. It's insane. I guess it's cheesy. Like, that's what they talk about when they talk about cheesy sci-fi. Yeah, of course. Hearing Mark Mir with a feeling say, too nude (laughs) people was very funny uh, and uh, made me giggle, too. A man and woman, completely nude, kiss passionately in the darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys find yourself just noticing, like, the funniest details, like that, I was like, "When did that get in there?" Like, yeah. there's on, I think at minute nine fifty eight, there is just reference that Dermot puts something in his purse. Yes. Like, yeah. When did You're lucky get I have my purse. purse. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they just everything opens up so many cans of worms. Like you're like, okay, this is a. People have purses. Who made like who made the purse? What is he the only person that has a purse? You're lucky. I'm keeping these citations in my purse for the time being, and not filing them with the Council of Work. What else stood out? Purse. Bean processing room. Bean processing is funny every yeah. single time. Yeah. If we, yeah. I actually have a note uh, on fifteen. If you go to fifteen ten, uh, I want to see what your all take is on on this on this line of description being left in. Hewson. 26, a small, horny guy with a cocky demeanor. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Talk so about a dinosaur. Left, we left a small, horny guy <laughs> so in funny. the script. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, but that's that I, I like. I kind of like but, yeah. but, but if you did, it brings up, like, I like it too. Sure. Like, I, think, I love it. Yeah. Sometimes sure. there's moments where you're laughing at it. Like, yeah. the two nudes, I was laughing at it. Mm-hmm. Small horny guys, like, what is this piece? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think what you guys need to remember through all this, like, is that you made a TV pilot and this is an audio version of it. Mm-hmm. Because the things that are standing out to you that made you laugh are all stage direction, which are, yeah. are like mm-hmm. the two nude people, mm-hmm. the <laughs> yeah. horny guy, the purse. These are all things that. Uh, True, the viewer wouldn't ever laugh at because they would never have the like serious voice say a silly word. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Okay, so first off, what were some things you liked about the pilot? I liked Dermot. He was like actually funny and like that's questionable for the project, but I really love a character that hates the main character for whatever reason and it really worked for me and like an opportunity for like some grounded comedy could come out of that. Um, and it also was Peter Oldring who makes me laugh whatever he does, so maybe that was part of it. You've been here for 16 cycles and you've never once been early. Something has happened. Uh, are you being reassigned? With that, the door slides open and Washington strides into the room. Ah, I knew it! Yes! Am I to be rid of her? Is she being put under? Shall I help you escort her to Eric? Please! That's enough, Dermot. Thank you. I love Kirby, but that's obvious because she's played by my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, can we talk about that? Can you give us a little explanation on your mom as Kirby, what you mean by that? Yeah. Okay. So my mom is a professional actress. She has been my whole life. Her name is Suleika Matthew. She um, it was on Da Vinci's, which is a very famous Canadian show. And now she lives in L.A. and she's been on lots of series. She's done drama and comedy. But as a five foot two, mature 
actor who is of Indian descent, my mother, I don't think gets seen for the action hero lead of a sci-fi. We wanted Kirby to be like a unexpected hero. And I thought, who better than like an actress that doesn't actually get to be seen in parts like that? And I thought she really nailed it. I she made Kirby so she did a great job. Yeah. lovable and also so like um, brave, I thought. I demand an audience with Lee to tell her what's going on. We need to delay the candle ceremony. A woman leans back in her office chair and swivels it around a bit. This is Rain, 45, an anal retentive bureaucrat. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. When will it ever end with you? We are not alone. Earth survived. There's a ship coming to take us back. It's it's out there right now. Lee needs to know. I liked the world of Cruiser 7 and how they they really started bringing the action. I like Cream and I love the relationship with him and the captain. Like it just it, it warmed my heart. I felt like there was like real relationship bubbling up. And I love those little things that kind of happen like, oh, so they have a little thing and then kind of like figure out these things that we didn't necessarily write, but um, kind of emerged from just the, the, the read and, and writing, um, which I thought was great. Uh, I don't believe we got into the character cream in the earlier episodes Wait, before we do ryan i would love for you to talk about cream uh-huh. but can we go to can we go to uh uh 32 16 please this is the introduction of cream and then win the captains yes <laughs> well he says it cream that's says it when i hear that yeah that's what yeah. makes me laugh and richard did yeah. it yeah. oh richard was so great so cute still nothing cream how long since our last message was sent a cylindrical head swivels on cream's body and responds in a soothing and perfectly human sounding voice zero days 14 hours 12 minutes seven seconds you can round it cream i don't need to know zero days (laughs) (laughs) cream is one of those things because like sci-fi things i love have stupid names for things that everyone just goes yep that's the name of that thing and like no one Stops to be like, why is it that? But like in the world, it's Kriya-M and they call them cream. And if yeah. you're in the know, you know that. And that's fandom. <laughs> yeah. It's and weird. You heard, her, you heard her here first. Yeah. And but, then when he says, oh, it's my favorite. When he on 5419, there's a relationship yeah. between the two. And when he says, no cream, stay, stay close. With, stay close. Yeah. That oh, also stuck. I love that. I love their relationship. Shall I stay behind? No cream. Stay close. <laughs> Oh, I just imagine Cream's adventure in episode two as they're trying to get out of the closet they're thrown into or whatever. Kirby and Cream. Kirby and Cream. Kirby and Cream. Oh, he's so cute. Cream is your name? (laughs) Yes. Cream Cream. model M? (laughs) What do you want to be called? We don't have Cream. What is Cream? No one's ever asked me what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we talked about the things you liked. Now, was there anything that you disliked? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't... It's really hard because it's the script is perfect in every way. <laughs> and so it's hard to find things. I think I just would have picked one bad thing gotcha. that affects everything on progeny. Mm. You know, if and it's focus just on that. Lee's control issues and just really make that the thing that we're fighting against. Because it's also, they all kind of bleed into each yeah. other a little bit too. We had too many ideas about what made life terrible there. Is it bureaucracy? Yeah. Is, is it, it no oxygen? No oxygen. <laughs> is it no friends? Is it no friends. <laughs> like a dictator or is it a cult leader? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those were all present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, we, which we could unpack in the rest of the season yeah. for sure. But it was a bit chaotic, I think. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Lee 
and the the tyrannical rule of the ship. Mm -hmm. Here's a little part that stood out to me as a questionable line. Everyone, ship-wide, is doing the same calisthenics, led by Lee's voice coming through the PA system. Remember, motion is lotion. lotion. (laughs) Keep the movements fluid. I think that's actually kind of scary. Okay. Lotion's a scary word to me because of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, made me think of Silence of the Lambs for sure. I wrote it. Because that, <laughs> okay, that but, was that was this is important because the reason why I said that is because it, there was a guy I was working with who was who who was uh, a drummer and he was like my physiotherapist always says motion is lotion and I was like well I'm yep. remembering that forever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I only think of him uh, when I when I hear that it, it does have a sinister tone and I like that mm-hmm. it's a rhyme <laughs> I was yeah. I was a little confused in that I was like what kind of like dictatorship is this mm. because I knew we were going for cult and cult was not super coming across and sometimes mm. it was more North Korea vibes mm. you're totally right um, and I think yeah. that was kind of confusing mm-hmm. but it's also like the thing that was really hard about this whole show is that the characters don't know anything else Yeah, you can't they, have a yes. fish out of the water that comes and is like mm. what why are you guys you know counting beans God, and that brings up another thing too where it's like even even this read I was like Everything that stood out is like the characters would know that the characters would know that like the mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. when Dr. Eric says, can that printer of yours replicate organic material? We, the audience needs to have that question. It's a great way to end a scene. I think that it's like this like dun dun dun. <laughs> um, but it feels like there's these moments where it's like, don't they know this? There's only a hundred of them. I would love mm. to take out a lot of the exposition. I mean, that would be. So freeing. Okay, well then, what would you take out? Like, what are the examples of the worst exposition that you heard? Like, hearing it back. Mm. For me, hearing it back just a second ago, it's when the character of Rain goes, basically, Kirby, Kirby, and I wrote this, Kirby, 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 you kooky, kooky, kooky character. (laughs) Essentially, like, that stood out to me. Is that when it's like, you're eccentric, because of your eccentric behavior for the last few years. Yes, that's that's when, that's some stuff that stood Mm. out, for sure. Oh, we also never explained what ascending is. That's true. And I actually got to the point where I was like, I don't remember what it is. Like, I know that it's ascending to the ah. Council of the Upper Decks, but we don't know what the Council of the Upper Decks does. We don't know if they <laughs> yeah. get any but this preferential great. treatment. This is great. We don't need to know. Sometimes we, sometimes we were super hard in exposition. Yeah. And other things were just like, you could figure it out, yeah. audience. We have to go. I can't be seen showing up late for morning attestation. Of course. You are ascending. We must epitomize all that is righteous and good. But I don't think, sometimes when you bury them in so much exposition, they don't actually know what it, mm-hmm. like, okay, this is massive expositionary piece about the candle, right? Yes. Kirby literally gives like a little dissertation on the candle to Cruiser And Reitman does too. For whatever reason, it was not clear, at least in my mind's eye, of what was going to happen. I was like, okay, something's going to blow up. But I I didn't understand changing directions or I just didn't. To where? Kirby, what is the candle? The candles lit to control the speed of the ship. Our ancestors, the first progenians, lit many candles to achieve our speed. Now, we will light many to slow down. First progeny will flip completely around, something that has never been done in the history of the ship. Then we light the first candle. Tomorrow. We did fall into a lot of major pitfalls mm-hmm. in this script that we didn't find our way out of. And maybe we would next time, yeah, having or learned. Or next draft. Or like, next draft. Having heard yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. We had to do it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, I think there is a lot of telling, not showing still. For sure. There's a lot of, like, care, not character-driven 
scenes. Mm-hmm. That's the pi- the math of a pilot yeah. episode is really yeah. complicated. Yeah. Like the algebra, like exactly what you say. Yes, the yes the characters we want them to know it and be there and be grounded. But it's yeah. also like, and we're explaining the whole mm-hmm. story yeah. and hopefully hooking you in. Totally. And so you have to like mm-hmm. that math can get a little interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say like. First episode of Deep Space Nine is like, oh, you mean the Kardashian occupation that took place <laughs> yeah. 20 yeah. years ago? And this is actually a yeah. Kardashian ship? Like, yeah, okay, you have to do that. Like, because yeah. it's also like, yeah, it's we're a coming weird at world. This from a very like cable television premium TV model, which is like, they don't tell you anything anymore. Yeah. It's just weird visuals. So we're like, how come know, we know everything and we have to we figure re- it out? We rely on YouTube to tell us like, yeah. what, what happened in the point. shows. The pilot of shows now is like a man walking through the desert yeah. for 45 minutes and at the end he finds a shoe. And everyone's like, okay, the Emmys have got a new contender. That's so funny. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Uh, the buzz on the internet is you guys are talking about doing a second season <laughs> if yeah. they, CBC Huge. can afford you. Uh, if you guys wanted to do a second season, is there anything you would do differently the next time around? I could do something different. It's I would have got a script to a bunch of actors sooner, mm. even if it was in the table read, because the, the actors are like, really, I make a lot of fun of actors. I am an actor, and actors are insufferable. But like, they come at scripts in this really like focused, like, I have to figure my shit out. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask these specific questions. And then all this, like, like these amazing thoughts come up, like, yeah. like uh, that, we, that we've heard and recorded, I think, a yeah. lot of them in the... So that, like, to do the process again and like have them involved in our drafts, like, mm-hmm. you know, just to hear some, some actor takes were really mm-hmm. sort of interesting to me. If we did this again, I think it should be one person's project. They're the showrunner. Mm. And we collaborate in like a writer's room, but it's one person's vision and their sensibility is what drives it. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Would you do a different genre? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't think we could do uh, I think this. we have to do a second yeah. genre or a different genre. Yeah, I think half the fun, half the fun. I don't know what the percentage of fun it is. But part of the fun is exploring a genre. And then, like, what are the traps? What are the pitfalls? What are, like, the, the roadmaps? And so that mm-hmm. would be interesting to me to, like, uh, to jump. Especially if it was something that all three of us weren't mm-hmm. familiar with as writers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'd like it to be a genre, but I would like it to be, like, on Earth. And possibly we use a bit more of our, like, our real experiences Mm -hmm. and our, you know, I think that would be fun for us to explore. Because I think, you know, in improv comedy and a lot of times in my stand-up, we actually don't talk about ourselves or our stories Mm. very much. Mm -hmm. I would like to do something like that. That's cool. A genre that uh, facilitates that a Not a horror <laughs> I don't want to do it. Too scary for me. Oh, but that might be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Too scary. Too scary. Remember when we got in a fight because I said because I didn't of, want anyone to get beheaded? Well, it was and a I real was like, confusing and I was like, fight. I only want beheadings. <laughs> Suddenly, Mark was defending beheadings. <laughs> it was very strange. Oh, how far we've come. Okay, so you you made it this far. You made a a podcast pilot of a TV show. What now? Do you keep working on the pilot? What's next? Or is this just it? 
I would love to get this into the hands of people who could make this happen. See if there's any interest. Try to sell it. Make a show. Bam, bam, bam. Because I yeah. love this project. And also, and like, th- all the stuff we just talked about, like, vacuuming out some of the exposition, mm-hmm. making it a little bit more, you know, doing another draft, basically, after what we've learned, having actors come in. And then, yeah. Say nothing happens with this. Mm-hmm. Do you retool? Do you just let it go? Or are you, like, how much interest do you need to get from anyone to... Well, this is the wonderful world of trying to make anything happen, uh, is that things uh, 99% of the time fade into crickets and nothing happens. So um, it'll be very familiar territory. Uh, but I think that what we do is we, we, while the iron is hot, we rewrite, we get another draft of this going, we, we put it on people's desks, we say, listen to the podcast, you understood? Here's this thing. Here we got it. We got it going. Boom, boom, boom. And then, you know... Things have a natural lifespan. If, it, if there's yeah. no bites, well, we, we'll be focusing on other things anyway. Well, yeah. Or if someone wants to cannibalize ideas from progenies, maybe like there's like something with legs or flippers in there, like the Aquins. <laughs> okay. Right? The Aquins I'll will... consult on the Aquins. Okay, I'm nice. Not, I'm not EPing. <laughs> it's a comedy, Maddie. You'll love it. <laughs> so if there's, if there's no bites... And there's uh, and it does fade to crickets and, you know, nothing happens. We'll move on to the next thing. But at least we made the sci-fi. That's right. We made it. We did it. The show is called Let's Make a Sci-Fi. No, let's sell a (laughs) sci-fi. So we have come to the end of our journey. I want to thank you all for listening along with us and experiencing all the fun failures and frivolity and hopefully maybe you all go out and make your own sci-fis now because in the words of my hero and ultimate role model Jean-Luc Picard things are only impossible until they are not computer and podcast I do not understand the command you seek to get podcasts does not register in okay my just fine just end the podcast just turn it off turn it off Let's Make a Sci-Fi is a production of Kelly and Kelly and CBC Podcasts. Hosted by Maddie Kelly, Mark Chavez, and Ryan Beal, and created by Kelly and Kelly with development from Ryan Beal. This episode was produced by Dave Shumka, Max Collins, and Chris Kelly. For Kelly and Kelly, the executive producers are Pat Kelly and Chris Kelly. The coordinating producer is Lauren Berkovich. Rebecca Peng is the communications manager. Alyssa Crow took our photos, and Joe Schwears filmed our trailer. For CBC, the art director is Ben Shannon, digital producer Emily Quinnell, video producer Evan Agard, cross-promotion producer is Amanda Cox, senior producer Tanya Springer, publicist Tanya Koivusalo, publicist Meryl Cooper, senior producer Jeff Turner, executive director Leslie Merklinger, director of CBC Podcasts, RF Nurani. Legal by Sarah Bell Etkin. Our theme song is by Chris Kelly. Special thanks to Ryan's Dogs. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.